0: Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment. Incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are a wagering week. I cannot wait to get involved in today's show. March Madness First Round. And we're gonna get into everything. That is March. Facebook and Twitter, that's how you get in touch with us. It's SportsCard, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. We're going to have some guests on with us. Rob Mish, who's a friend of the show, writer for Chicago Sun-Times, best-selling author. He's going to come on, talk to us all about college basketball, what it means, where we're looking at with the tournament. Also, the co-author of Duke Sucks, and he's finished on 30 for 30, Andy Bagwell. You know Andy's smiling from ear to ear because Duke is in it. We'll get his thoughts about North Carolina and the whole field and everything that has to do with that. Also, guys, look, I know that people are married to their brackets. I'm going to tell you how to kind of navigate away. You make your bracket picks, but on a betting spectrum, once you make those bracket picks, that's not your betting picks. Throw that away and then move on. So we'll talk about that as well. We are talking March Madness, and we getting into all of the nitty-gritty. I am pumped up that we even just have March Madness. I'm telling you, and I feel like that's the feeling around everybody out there. Uh, You know, you might be upset some team didn't get in. You might be upset that your team didn't look good or whatnot. It doesn't matter. Now you go, hey, at least we have something. My next guest I know is as excited as I am. It's Rob Mish, friend of the show, of course, friend of mine, author of Sports Betting for Winners, and a writer now for the Chicago Sun-Times. I love everything that Rob does. Rob, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me, man. What a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, man. And and I just said, I think you're as excited as I am. You don't want to get nitpicky about stuff. Uh, but I, I did find the process uh, this week of kind of accepting the teams in Selection Sunday. I was not as angry as I normally am. Normally, I'm yelling and screaming that all these teams are out. They're all misseeded. I think there's a couple of teams that maybe got a little higher ranking. I was upset about Belmont, as you were, because we made money on them all year long. But overall, what was your feeling about the committee? I think they did a good job, with the exception of maybe the Belmont thing, and I think Loyola probably got too, high, too low of a seed. But overall,
2: I think they did a really good job. Yeah, I think so, Tom. I think part of that, maybe a lot of that, is owed to the fact that we didn't have this thing last year and and all of a sudden it is snatched from us for the first time in our lives and so you never miss something until it's gone and that thing was a big hole a year ago and so i think you know you and i have talked man we we have felt like schoolboys with this thing coming around the corner selection sunday and i think that helps mitigate whatever mistakes they were going to make There are always going to be mistakes But I I think I agree with you and not just to agree with you either. I think uh, we can be, uh, you know, critical about Michigan state and or UCLA, even getting in there, taking a spot from Belmont, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think in comparison to past NCAA selection Sundays, let's talk about in our minds, let's go over the last 10 selection Sundays. I would say, there were far fewer egregious errors yesterday or sunday than there have been uh you know in in recent years over the last 10 years i think
0: yeah absolutely i, I i'm usually angry i'm usually oh come yeah. on yeah this year i said yeah hey, well you know i really like belmont outside of that i'll, I'll live <laughs> i'll live and it right. was kind of the calm down it,
2: it, yeah and i think a lot of people felt that way um, tom i i think it was just you know what as that thing unfolded tom I don't know, I I almost felt like, you know, last year stung so much. I felt like, okay, they're going to get halfway through the East bracket, and then, uh uh-oh, it's it's over, we're canceling it. I felt like any second the rug was going to be pulled. Um, That's what last year did to a lot of us. So that was fun, and I'm telling you, the the tournament is just going to be fantastic.
0: Yeah, one of the first things my wife said to me, she said, how many games do you think get canceled for COVID? I said zero, without hesitation, zero. None of yes, them, nothing yes. will get canceled. Uh-huh. Nothing is going to get canceled here. Um, Rob, let's shift over to the big story, and it really is the big story that somehow or another isn't getting the hype that I think it should, and that's Gonzaga, okay? This is a team that they're undefeated. I know they play in a lesser conference, okay? But I don't see this team getting the hype of, what is it, the 2015 Kentucky team. I don't see this team getting the hype of, you're out there in Las Vegas, that UNLV running Rebels team, the hype of these undefeated powerhouses, one of the greatest teams of all time. I don't see it getting the hype of that Yet, I look at Gonzaga and I say, I'm having a hard time finding where they're going to get knocked off.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, It's that little team in that little city, in that little village in eastern Washington. And I think the nation doesn't want to take them seriously. However, uh, over the past five NCAA tournaments... Who do you think is at the top of the list in NCAA tournament games played over the last five tournaments? Who's at the top of that list, do you think?
0: I think I have a hint
2: now. (laughs) (laughs) I got two teams on top at 20 games, Gonzaga and North Carolina. Coming in third with 19 is Duke. And tied for fourth at 18 is Villanova and Kentucky. So this is a team that – this is not their first rodeo they've been going to the ncas years after years it is tested and tom I, I really sense that they're on a mission i have them to beat illinois in the final what i really love about this team right now is they have three of the top 15 players in the country in effective field goal percentage drew timmy cory kispert Joel Ayayi, and then leading the show is a fantastic freshman point guard Jalen Suggs who could arguably be leading a college football team right now at quarterback so I think it's dynamic I think it's a little bit angry I do think they're on a mission I think they've already stubbed their toe people talk about once you get in the tournament uh, you better watch out there's gonna be a hit a hurdle there's gonna be some unforeseen pothole They've already had their pothole. In the West Coast Conference finale against BYU, they were down by double digits at the half, and they just came roaring back in the second half. The final 10 minutes of that game was 31-15, to 15 Gonzaga. That's a team that knows how to finish. They know where they're going. They've been here before. They know how to handle whatever curveballs might be coming at them. I think they finally break through. And uh, there's a reason why they're the favorite right now to win it all.
0: I love that you brought up that game because me and you are betting folks, right? Obviously. And uh, yep. b- right before the half, BYU had a 13-point lead. And the halftime yep. line adjustment was... Was Gonzaga minus thirteen for the game? So they, they you know, they they predicted a twenty six point swing. You would have lost, by the way. But how ridiculous is that? I mean, that's that's what the bookmakers believe that Gonzaga is. Real quick, I, I do want to stick on, on Gonzaga just because I want to pick your brain here. You're like me; you're a sports better. Okay, uh, you've been around sports betting and you do articles on everything. How much does the I guess we'll call it the black cloud of nobody goes undefeated. It's only happened eight times. Nobody gets gets to to go through. The number one overall seed has a curse on it. How much does that play into you filling out your brackets and making bets?
2: Well, geez. First of all, I'm not like you. Let's let's clear that up right now for anybody listening. <laughs> you, my friend, are a professional you toy with these numbers and these situations to your benefit like a maestro i mostly write about people like you who know how to tweak what they're doing and to get the the to to get the benefits out of the numbers and where to shop that's what what i really get a kick out of is is, uh, introducing people to you, people like you and your methods. So that's rule number one. Um, number two, I haven't heard a lot about that. Um, I, I think there's just more of a dark cloud that just hovers over Gonzaga in, in the manner of uh, – it's it's the little team that could, that might in the Northwest. Oh, what a quaint little story. Well, you know what? You take that attitude against them this year, and they're going to just slap you upside the head with that, that quaint talk. Um, as far as um, – you know the poetic thing about all of this, Tom, is the fact that all of this is going to be staged in Indiana. Right in the backyard of the Hoosiers, who were the last team to go undefeated in 1976. I heard Dan Doughty last week talk about uh, a Miami Dolphin-esque kind of '72 aura. You know, ever ever since '72 when the Dolphins went undefeated, every the last NFL undefeated team that finally loses in a season, the dolphins and all their, you know, coaches and whomever they pop corks and ha We're the last one. And we're still the last one to get through a whole season undefeated. Um, Dockage said it's not exactly like that in Bloomington, except for one guy, Bob Knight. He takes it very seriously. It's something he covets. And uh, Dockage said there are voodoo dolls in Bloomington with little Gonzaga shirts on the front of them. Um, so for Gonzaga, in all seasons, of of all situations, to have to go to Indiana and potentially win six, all in that state, and and to possibly become the uh, the first team to go undefeated since that Indiana team is uh, is just beyond poetic. It's it's one more sweet story to the whole thing in in my view.
0: Yeah, that was a, an absolutely incredible piece right there, Rob. You know, I and it's funny because I do all this, I do all the research, I crunch the numbers, I watch the yes. games, and I didn't I didn't put as much impact on that as you just did. That is a really good piece of information. Rob, you mentioned the Big 10. I want to get into this. Let me read this to you because it jumped right off the page at me. The Big 10 before the tournament received two number one seeds, Illinois and Michigan, of course. Two number two seeds, Ohio State and Iowa. This is the first time a conference has earned four, two top seeds right, in a single NCAA tournament. Seven times has a conference had three of the top two seeds. The eventual champion came from this conference only three of those seven times. Everyone is stumbling over their feet about the Big Ten. People are loving on the Big Ten. I still, look, before the tournament, I told everybody I still thought, still thought Illinois was the best team in the country. Yeah, I'm including Gonzaga. That's how much I think of the Big Ten, but, Rob, you know what? It seems like they might be a little overrated if we're talking about history.
2: Yeah, um, you know, about six weeks ago, um, I also do some pretty in-depth previews, game previews for gaming today. And um, in the course of really getting down and, and analyzing, uh, I think it was right before a Michigan-Ohio State game, but they've had so many battles in recent weeks between the the, the heavyweights and that. I almost want to say that division. It's a heavyweight division, that's for sure. But uh, um, there was a point, Tom, it might have been six, seven weeks ago, when I I nearly wanted to pick all Final Four teams from the Big Ten. I, I wanted to um, – it looked like, man, the way they were rolling. And, of course, since then, uh, Isaiah Livers, or Livers has a, a foot injury from Michigan. Um and Iowa, boy, oh boy, they're just gonna have to score to uh, to negate what they're gonna give up on defense so much. Now that's a Garza's a tank, and he's got some great teammates. They're unselfish. They're fun to watch. But uh, but boy, McCaffrey can always you can always count on a McCaffrey team to have a letdown on defense. And I mean, are they gonna be able to score 90 points? for six games in a row. That's what it would take, I think, for them to win it all. Not not that they're going to. Unfortunately, they're in the West with Gonzaga, so that's, that's kind of going to be a, a moot proposition there. Um, I think Illinois has a pretty good path. Ohio State just looks so strong, too. My God, C.J. Crawford and his guys. Um, I think at this point, to discount that league based on anything in the past would be would be foolish. Um, I love hearing some of the national commentators like Bill is try to stick up for the Big 12 and try to intimate in whatever ways, you know, all the Big 12 isn't the only bully on the block. And uh, geez, man, I get so tired of those people. But I think, unfortunately for Michigan, that liver's injury is, um, I don't think that's just gonna rectify itself in a few days. And I think Texas in that region is just their experience is going to show, and uh, I expect Texas to lose to Gonzaga in one national semifinal. Um, you know what, what? But all that being all that being said, I just I think the Big Ten is just so strong and powerful and worthy of every ounce of praise it's gotten this season.
0: You, you bring up Livers. I wanted to jump on this because it, I don't remember a tournament where. Big-time teams were dealing with outside factors. Uh, Villanova with Gillespie's out. Virginia and Kansas had COVID problems. I mean, there's just massive, massive injuries to big-time players on big-time programs. So it brings me to my question— of if everyone likes underdogs i start to get nervous okay like i do my independent yes. sports betting but you start to hear everyone piling against virginia and piling against kansas nobody likes nova and nobody like you know the injuries do matter but i think we're in such an information age here where it's almost almost overload because i you just hear people going, "Yeah, I'm going to take every single 12 seed." How did that work out the last time for you? Because all the 12s advanced. I mean, things like that start to scare me. And you, you mentioning the Michigan thing, I wonder if they use that as a rallying cry. Almost. Oh yeah, well, yeah, he's out and he's hurt. Um, but now everyone kind of doubts us. I, I, I've never seen. I, tell me if you remember massive injuries to these big time players like we've had this year.
2: Boy, I, I, I do not. Tom. And, you know, one thing that really accentuates it is the fact that we didn't have a tournament last year. So to, we we don't exactly have that thing to go on that we recognize from just so long ago, a year ago. So, you know, this is something we haven't been able to witness for two years. So I think that plays a little bit of a role. The fact that we, you know, this thing's been, been out of our view for, for a while, but uh, it, it, it leads me to want to stay away from those specific games i'm going to want to monitor some stuff um you you allude to something really smart though and uh you know if if the lemmings are all lined up going one way you know which way which you know which way to go and that's the other way and that my god is that not just uh a foolproof rule almost over the years and decades of being a sports better. Huh. A- against the public. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. know,
0: it- it- it's yeah. against the public. You know, and I o- I-, I, do always love it. And you all understand this because, you know, you're doing so much writing in Vegas and understand the business so well. So many people say to me, you know, it- it's kind of you against the sports book. I said, no, it's not it's me against everyone else because the sports book doesn't care. You know, I'm not doing enough volume that they care about Tom Barton um, or, or any single, I don't care if you're, you're dropping a million. They don't care. I'm up against the public, which does, does bring me to, to Vegas. I'm in Atlantic city this weekend. Okay. I didn't take the trip out to Vegas, which I usually do. You're in Vegas. Uh, the sports books are usually crazed for March madness. Rob, I mean they need this desperately don't they I think it's going to be you know there's that, that that old movie spinal tap right in the 70s where uh, put yep. it to 11 right I think it's going to be put to 11 yep.
2: here am I right It is it's 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 going to be really berserk um and you know there's a, I've lived here almost 19 years and I've gotten in the habit of just staying away from the strip. There's nothing that could get me to go to the strip. And this is before the mayhem of the. Not
0: even that circa pool? Come on, that circa pool looks cool.
2: It does. It does, except for the fact that it's downtown and I'd be worried about my car every second. I know they have a nice little garage Mahal there, but you still have to get to it and drive away from it. So um, I have not been to that sports book yet, actually. Um, I, I like to stay under the radar, Tom. You know that. I just, you know, I won't be in the crowded books having, you know, throwing you know, beers around and being all obnoxious the next few weekends. Um, I stay away, man. And I'm, uh, but I'm happy it's here and you can sense it. You can sense there's a buildup that, uh, boy, we've got the brackets, we've got the odds, and who do you like? And that's always going to be a fun part of it, no matter what your level of professionalism as far as betting. It's neat to be around, and, hey, let's face it, there's a reason I live in Vegas. So um, I just don't go off the deep end, that's for sure.
0: So last question here. We only have a couple of minutes. Uh, I made a comment a, a couple of weeks ago that Cinderella's are not real. There's a reason why they called Cinderella's because at midnight they turn back into the regular person that they were. And I still continue to see people in their final four. And it usually happens after the first round. They get really crazy in their final four, putting 12 seeds, putting 13 seeds. People just going crazy. Oh, oh yeah, that's an 11 or a 12. Oh, they're going to go all the way. Uh, Rob, how much does the first weekend impact people going, just falling in love with a team that maybe made them money or falling in love with that big underdog. How much do you see it after the first week and just going, guys, it was a nice little weekend, but don't get crazy.
2: Yeah, boy, that, that puppy love from high school or what? I, uh, I'd like to get listeners to Google. The Chicago Sun-Times, and your name, Tom Barton. I did a piece. uh, God, I'm writing so much, I don't... It must have been this past Saturday. I did a piece. I talked to you, Tom, and two other professionals and got some great insights about what to avoid and what to look closely at when you're looking at the teams, you're looking at the brackets, you're looking at the seeds. I can tell you that uh, over the past two seasons, the, the previous two NCA tournaments, and I, and I looked at the 10s, 11s, 12s, and 13s. So out of those four seeds over the course of the last two NCA tournaments, one-third, approximately 33% of them, won their games. So that's the first weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, walk softly, be careful what you do. Do not let your head rule or do don't let your heart rule your head. That's funny, Tom, cause I, I, I bring that up often in our chats. Um, uh, listen to your head, not your heart. Don't let your heart sway you to any degree. And that's, that might be, Maybe the top rule, one of the top rules in the whole betting game. Would you agree?
0: Yeah, to me, the NCAA tournament is the time where you said it puppy love, uh, people fall in love. They fall in love with Cinderella because she looks great. She's got yep. her hair done. She's got necklace on. She's got glass slippers on. Uh, but at midnight, she's going back into the sweatpants, the dirty sweatpants, and, you know, <laughs> sitting there with her hair up in a bun, and she, she's eating ice cream out of a, a container, right? I mean, this is what it is, and people don't realize. They're fun, except that they won you money. You don't have to go crazy, and I, I think March Madness is the one time that people fall in love. You don't fall in love during NFL. You don't fall in love at that. You fall in love during March Madness because it's this team that you didn't know and this guy that you didn't you didn't even know his name, how to pronounce his name. Uh, right. and, and all of a sudden, they fall in love. Rob, it has been absolutely fantastic. We are up against the break. i love to have you on. We will have you on again. Go check out all Rob's work. You can go check him out. Chicago Sun-Times, Gaming Today. Go buy the book, Sports Betting for Women, Winners. It's Rob Mish. Rob, thank you very much. And it is so true right. what Rob said. It, you know, when you really break it down, um, it's just the idea of this weekend is so needed for places like Vegas, for places like Atlantic City, uh, and for anybody that's just a, a bracket fan, right? I mean, just getting them out there and just being able to watch this, it, it just gives you that good feeling because we live through it. It's You don't know what you got until it's gone, right? Well, we, we now had to live without it. So we now know what we have, and we have brackets, we have betting, we have second round, we have money-making opportunities. We are going to continue this conversation. I'm going to give you those money-making opportunities as we move forward. All that and more right after this.
1: And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get to gambling before the end of
0: the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. Right. What are the odds? What are the odds? Well, guys, even though it's college basketball on the brain, we also have a lot of NFL signings. We know Cam Newton's going to be the quarterback in New England. We know that Jameis Winston's going to be quarterback in New Orleans. Well, what team will Juju Smith-Schuster play for next year? The Raiders are plus 130. Steelers plus 250. I think that's a long shot because he pretty much said goodbye to Pittsburgh. Jets at plus 250. Colts plus 500. Bears 6.5 to 1. Dolphins 7.5 to 1. They're linked to Kenny Galladay as well. Packers 8 to 1. Ravens 8.5 to 1. Giants 9 to 1. Bengals Cardinals 10 to 1. Browns 13 to 1. Jaguars who want to improve their wide receiver core 15 to 1. Patriots 18 to 1. Saints 20 to 1. And Washington comes in at 22 to 1. That is what are the odds? All right, guys. Let's go to our next guest. It's Andy Bagwell. We are talking college basketball. Of course, the feel of college basketball is vastly different this year. The feel is... A little bit weird, it's going to be a little bit different or from a visual standpoint, but we do have the brackets and that's all that matters. My next guest, he's going to tell you about something a little bit weird, we will get into it, Andy Bagwell, co-author of Duke Sucks the Book, featured in the I Hate Christian Leitner" 30 for 30, you go check him out on Twitter, it's at NCBags. Andy, how are you doing, my man? I am great, how are you? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. I See, I know that you're great because... I wrote you when we realized Duke wasn't going to be in the tournament because you had to be smiling (laughs) from from Raleigh to Kerry, right? I mean, you had to be. So I said it's a different feel this year uh, because of, obviously, COVID and everything else. But let me ask you, look, Duke is not here. Kentucky's also not here. It is a different feel to the tournament. Try to, and I don't know if you can, but try to put your personal feelings aside and is it good for the tournament to have fresh blood, or is it not good because Duke and Kentucky are out? Tom, the most important thing here is that it's good for me. It's good
1: for me that we don't have to look at Duke and Kentucky in this thing. Now, I mean, yeah, it was it was funny getting your message, and and uh, and when when it was very clear at that point that Duke wasn't going to be in it. Kentucky hasn't been in the conversation for a while, so you know, I the 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 TV networks they were hanging on to that Duke thread till the very end. You know, even up until right before Selection Sunday. Oh, Duke could be a replacement team, you know. So clearly there's some folks out there that would love them to have them in it for the ratings. But I think most fans out there this year are just glad to have the tournament period. And they are going to be some teams that they get familiar with and they're going to look right past the fact that Duke isn't uh, isn't in it. I will tell you this, though, the only thing that's bad about it is we don't get to look forward to Duke losing some time in this season.
0: Yeah, I did find it pretty interesting. Not only were they not like among the four teams that might get in, they clearly they, they said no to the NIT. There's just no, oh, we're shutting it all down. Um, and so many people, look, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, but so many people said, oh, yeah, sure, Duke's going to use COVID as an excuse to kind of back out of this thing. And, oh, that's why they're not doing the the NIT. I, I obviously think that COVID is something uh, very serious. We know that. But I do think that there's a little bit of Coach K pride that, well, if I if I can't be in the tournament, I don't want to be one of these play-in teams. I don't want to be in the NIT. I mean, you see that, don't you? Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. They were signaling this earlier in the year. You know, this first couple of games happened, it was pretty clear early that this was not your standard Duke team. They just did not have the talent this year. Coach K backed him out of all of the non-conference games after that. So they kind of sat still until conference season picked up. So, oh, it was early on. You you were paying attention back before the end of 2020 where they were signaling that, hey, this team isn't very good. So we got to find a way out of this season. So, oh, yeah. No, I mean, there's got to be an element of that. But I mean, you know, overall, they didn't deserve to be in it. They they didn't win enough games, so it it, it wasn't it wasn't just COVID that had them out of the tournament this year.
0: Talking to Andy Bagwell, Andy, I'm an ACC guy. I lived down there for a bunch of years. You're an ACC guy. Every year, I feel like I'm defending how many bids I think the ACC sh- uh, should get. How they're just a dynamic conference. How uh, you know they go through the rigorous role. This year. They got seven bids. I didn't believe that they should have gotten that much. I think the ACC as a whole was down. I believe that the ACC uh, had their first down year in in recent memory, basically. And when you say you know Duke didn't belong, I don't think Louisville belonged either. And they were in the first four, maybe replacement. I think the ACC just had a weirdly down year. And I have nothing else to explain about it uh, other than, you know what? It was just a weird year. It really was. It was strange looking
1: at teams early, and I got a good look at Gonzaga a couple times early, Baylor, and then I watched some of these ACC games, and I I have to agree with you, it was just not a good year. It was not good basketball. I mean, think about this, Tom. The team that won the ACC tournament had the ACC player of the year, had the ACC defensive player of the year, and had arguably the ACC coach of the year, although they didn't get it, is a nine seed in Georgia Tech. And there's, you know, Virginia, I think, is the highest seed of a four. This is not the Virginia that, that is the quote-unquote defending national champion. They're, they're they're not anywhere near that level this year. So, no, it, it's just a down year for the conference. And I don't know why that is. I couldn't really put my finger in it other than maybe just some recruiting cycles that had kind of caught up to them and a lot of guys leading early. But, yeah, I mean, across the board, it, it was not good basketball in the ACC this year. So I'm thankful for North Carolina as a North Carolina fan, just to be in the tournament and have a chance. But uh, no, it, it wasn't. It wasn't great this year.
0: Let's talk about the ACC just a little bit, uh, a little bit further here, because there's the new thing here: the new Bloods versus the Blue Bloods, and it's not <laughs> just a, a catchy hashtag. I mean, it really is. Look, my wife is an FSU alumni, and like I said, I, I lived right there. I lived down in the Triangle, and Florida State uh, is an afterthought. Even when I lived down there, Virginia. Oh, you know. A nice little up-and-coming team, but it, it really has changed the idea that Duke and North Carolina could just roll the ball onto the field and and kind of just run over people in Greensboro. That's no longer there. Is it because the ACC is so good that that kids are just saying, you know what, I'm just going to go to a different school and not compete with the elites in Duke and North Carolina, or do you think that there's a little bit of a problem recruiting to the Triangle now?
1: Well, I you know I think it's. I think it could be a combination of a couple of things. First of all, I think FSU is really good. I mean, I don't know about the whole new bloods versus blue bloods thing. I go off the theory that if you have to create a hashtag to tell someone what you are, you're not that thing. All right. The blue blood things just happen. So I I think it's just cyclical, really. I mean, you know, Duke is going to have a great recruiting class coming in next year. Um, Carolina's team is very young this year. They're going to be better next year. So you go through these cycles where teams are going to be down and where the whole league is going to be down a little bit. But, you know, as long as Coach K and and Roy Williams are around North Carolina and Duke, they're going to be the premier teams. They're Hall of Fame coaches. Uh, I think Leonard Hamilton should be in the Hall of Fame for FSU. But those guys are going to be around until until those coaching changes happen again, and then who knows what happens after that.
0: Yeah, and you didn't even mention Coach Bennett. We know what he's uh, the resume he's putting together. A little early, but wow, yeah. that's our resume. You know, we're always looking ahead on this show. Okay, and we're always looking ahead, and I'm going—I uh, look ahead, and I look ahead. This is way ridiculous to look at, but I'm telling you now, my money's on Duke of North Carolina making the Final Four next year. I mean, that's just the way that it goes, right? <laughs> Doesn't it have to have this um, ridiculous correction where the ACC is going to pile-drive people, and they're just going to go send three teams to the Final Four? Well, it's, I mean, you, you could absolutely see it, because, it, because all you do takes
1: on a five-man basketball squad. You just get a couple of these transcendent players— and transcendent talent, and you can see these guys pop right back up into, uh, up into the, to the national ranks. I mean, if, if the Carolina guys that are, that are on the team this year, if they all come back, that team's going to be poised to make a deep run. If the, if the guys that are at Duke now stay and they get this infusion of talent, and even if they're marginally better than the class they got this year, they're going to absolutely be back. I'll throw you something else out there, Thomas. I'm a North Carolina guy. It's possible, not, we're talking college basketball here, but looking at college football, it's possible you could see North Carolina in the Final Four in football and basketball year. We're we're
0: becoming a football school down here. It, it's amazing because you're right. I, I've spoken about it. You you might have one of the Heisman. You might have a Heisman down there. I mean, that kid is phenomenal at quarterback. And uh, right. while while Florida State turns into a basketball school. North Carolina turns into a football school. Yeah, we definitely entered a different time warp here. Uh, We're on the phone with Andy Bagwell, co-author of Duke Sucks, featured in the I Hate Christian Laettner 30 for 30. Go check him out on Twitter. It's at NCBags. Let's move away from the ACC, and I just want your overall feel. You mentioned it. You saw Gonzaga early in the year. You saw Baylor. But I want to stick with Gonzaga. How good is this team to you? They're really, really, really good. I
1: mean, they've got three kids on that team who are legit, National Player of the Year candidates, and and I was wondering, you know, you always the question with 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 Gonzaga is always they don't play anybody. So what are they going to do when they when they face a team that maybe is close to their talent level that puts some pressure on them? I watched that game against BYU in their, in their conference tournament. BYU puts some game pressure on them. Now BYU is not nearly as talented as a lot of the other teams that Gonzaga could face in the tournament. But boy, did they respond. The minute they hit that adversity, it's like they turned to switch and just absolutely ran away with the game after that. So, I mean, I love J- Jalen Suggs. I think he's incredible. And you've got to have a good guard to go deep into the tournament. Um, Mark Few is an incredible coach. They've been there now. I mean, you know, the game that, that, that Carolina beat them in, in a couple of years ago, they've been there now. They know what it takes to get there as a program. And this might just be the year it's really, really hard to go undefeated. But in the weirdest of weirdest years, wouldn't it be kind of fitting if Gonzaga does run the table and goes undefeated and win the, wins the championship?
0: Yeah, I, I think it would. It, the odds are just so against them. When you start to read how many teams have done it in this team, how long it is and how number one overall seats. I mean, it really, I, I'm a big believer in them, but I just look at the numbers and the statistics. I go, I, I just don't know. Uh, Andy, let's, uh, let let us let's kind of stay here a little bit because we're talking about Gonzaga and we're talking about, you know, the elites of the elites. What teams, what attributes do you look for within inside this bubble, inside this Indiana bubble? Is it teams that, uh, you know, they get the benefit from not having the crowd? Is it teams that are just really well coached? Is it teams with, with senior guards? What is something that you're looking at and you're saying, you know what, I think they have a slight advantage because everyone's sitting here playing in Indiana?
1: Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, the thing that you just can't factor this year, I, th- I think I always go to experienced guards. I mean, that's the thing that everybody goes to. There's, you can get into statistics of teams that shoot over 36 percent from three, over 70 percent from the foul line, rebound at this percentage are, are highly favored. Um, I, I, I just, you know, you, you hear to, to kind of look at it, other situations that might be similar. You hear some of the guys that were in the NBA bubble in Orlando this year. Talk about how tough that was mentally. It was really taxing on them. And these are professional athletes. Now you've got kids that are college athletes and you're putting them into a very similar environment for three weeks, not as long as the NBA bubble. But I don't know what kind of effect that's going to have. Does that mean you need kids that are more experienced so they have, you know, a better idea how to deal with that type of an odd situation? Or maybe even just kids that are younger and don't know any better and just go in there and just relax and do their thing and come out and play basketball it's really so hard to factor that in. So when you look at that, I don't know. I think I still fall back on who are some dynamic players? Where do you have some experience? Because this uh, this is another year where you didn't have a full season. So you saw the more experienced teams like the Gonzagas, like the, the Illinois, the Ohio States, the Baylors. Those are the ones that rose up because they did have that experience. So I keep falling back on that, but, but man, what a weird thing to have to deal with and try to take into account when you're looking at what team is going to come out of this.
0: Andy, thank you so much for your time. I always love talking to you, and now I know I'm going to tab you, and we're going to have you back on the show when it's football season because I want to hear your predictions on getting into the championship game with your now football school, the UNC Tar Heels. Oh, it's going to be great. Sammy Heisman. That's what you just, Just remember
1: that name, Sammy Heisman Howell. I love talking to you, Tom. Anytime, would love to come back.
0: Thank you so much again, guys. That is Andy Bagwell, co-author of Duke Sucks, featured in the I Hate Christian Lately Thirty for Thirty. Go check him out. It's at NC Bags over on Twitter. And I have to tell you, one of the questions I had to ask Andy is because of the impact of uh, Indiana, and it's not so much that they're in Indiana, guys. They have certain restrictions that you just never had before. We're talking about even down to the food. Do you know that they can't get food unless it's like hotel food? I mean, that's where where we're looking at this. They're, the practice schedules are going to be very weird. They're doing a lot of Zoom calls and things of that nature. So this first weekend... I don't really think you're going to have it impact that much because everyone's excited, it's cool, oh, it's a weekend away, I'm ready to go. But as this thing drags, and I love that Andy mentioned the NBA and they they spoke about how grueling mentally it was on you uh, to be in that bubble. As this drags, the big teams, the teams that are going to go on to the Elite Eight, the Final Four, the championship game, all of a sudden, now you're a month, month and a half away from pretty much everybody else. You're in this bubble, you're Secluded. And oh, by the way, you're like 18, 19 years old, right? It's not like us where we can just sit down. They want to get out. They want to do stuff. I think that's something that down the line we're going to have to sit and we're going to have to have a conversation about. I love how he mentioned the, the Heisman watch, right, and the quarterback. Hey, that's going to be in the future. We're going to have Andy Allen, But right now, let's go bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future.
2: Okay, all right. Bet, bet to, to the to future. The future.
0: All right, let's keep it with the college football theme, and who will be the second pick in the 2021 NFL Draft? We're all just saying, sure, look, Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. Well, who? how about number two? Zach Wilson leads the field at minus 190. Justin Fields, plus 275. Penny Sewell, plus 750. Trey Lance, 9 to 1, but I bet you that's going to be rising soon. Jamar Chase is at 16 to 1. Trevor Lawrence is at 16 to 1. If you just don't think that he's going number 1, and Devontae Smith goes at 20 to 1. That is bet to the future. I love how Andy uh, throws in a little college football there. But we have to get back to the NCAAs and we have to get back to the brackets. Let's just do the breakdown here. The first round, what I think. I'm going to go through each team and kind of just give you my thoughts and analysis on the matchups here. And I'm going to start it all with the favorite, if I need to mention who they're going up against, then we'll get into that. Look, Gonzaga, I think it's a tougher bracket than they should have had. I I know that people are looking at this bracket. and They're saying, oh, it's no big deal. To me, it is. Virginia very well might have been the best team in the ACC. Okay? USC very well may have been the best team in the Pac-12. Kansas may have been uh, the best team in the Big 12. Iowa, look, they're a scoring threat, of course. And Creighton might have been the best Big East team. I know that on the surface it doesn't look that intimidating for Gonzaga. I get that. I think it kind of is. I think it's a tougher draw than people think. I'm not touching that spread, by the way, not in the first round. Oklahoma, you look at Oklahoma and Mizzou, it's a coin flip. I've told you about the 8-9 matchups. It doesn't really matter who you pick in the 8-9 matchups in round one because they're usually out the next round anyway. They usually get spanked by the number one overall seed. As a matter of fact, the number one overall seed makes it out of this first round, this first weekend at an 86% clip. So I don't expect anything here. Austin Reeves, 17 points per game. That, yeah, that's nice. And Pinson and Drew Smith, both 14 points per game from zoo. I think it's a coin flip. I guess I'll go Oklahoma. But there's no real backing behind that. I won't be touching that one either. Creighton. Look, they've had a rough road here. And they their offense has just gone completely away. They, they do not look like that kind of team. I will tell you this. The Gauchos are a really good team gauchos have mclaren 16 points per game this is their first tournament since 2011 this is a team that's red hot they are 18 and 1 since january 1st that's something to pay attention to and you're looking at this team and you're going all right there is an injury to the gauchos that i need to find out about but this is one of those upsets that i'm looking at the six and a half seven points and i'm really eyeing this virginia who knows And I'm not being like that, but look, who knows? They're going up against Ohio. They're given a a bunch of points that it went down from 10.5 all the way down to 8 because everyone's loading up because Virginia isn't allowed to practice. They haven't been able to practice during the whole COVID thing. They have injuries. You don't even know how many people they're going to have. They only need to have six to play the game. They're not even landing in Indianapolis until Friday. They're not going to get any kind of practice time. I'm worried about this. I really am. I know how good Sam Hauser is. I know how good Tony Bennett is. This is a worry spot if I'm Virginia. Let's go to the bottom of the bracket, USC. I thought USC was going to be a lot better than they are. It's going to be a tough game for them, but they do have the best player on the court. There is some solace there. Kansas. Kansas switched up. They were having a little bit of a rough year, and then they switched up because of injuries and problems and said, we're just going to concentrate fully on defense. This is going to be defense, defense, and more defense. And it really started to pan out for them. Their defense started to look absolutely fantastic. I know there's more COVID issues again. Same thing with Virginia. And there's a lot of questions to be had. But if they're playing that kind of D, even though Eastern Washington's 13 in one of the last 14 games, I can't see them doing much here. I don't love Kansas because of the COVID stuff, but it's a look. Oregon, 11 straight 20-win seasons. They constantly put together a pretty good program. They led the Pac-12 in field goal percentage, led the Pac-12 in three-point percentage. VCU, they always take advantage of mistakes. I think this might be a little underrated Oregon team, and I'm not a big fan of the Pac-12. A little underrated for where Oregon should have been. Iowa, here we go. I know everybody loves Iowa, okay? first time since 1987 14 conference wins that you you have to like what i was doing grand canyon's got bryce drew he's a first-year head coach i get it luca gars is the best player in the country 24 points per game eight most points in big 10 history it's the best offense in the country averaging 84 points per game they say we're the best offense in the country Look, there are other teams that might score a little bit more, but generally speaking, coming from that conference, the problem is they don't play defense. And now you have Grand Canyon. Mick Gard is a really good player, 14 points per game. Mick Gard leads this offense. This offense has the best field goal percentage in the country at 71.4. That's something to really pay attention to here. Guys, I don't know if I have the guts to take Grand Canyon here, but everyone's just pushing Iowa through. I don't like teams that don't play defense this time of year. By the way, if you want to look, over under 144.5. Oh, yeah, there's going to be some points scored there. I don't know why it's so low. I really don't. All right, how about let's go to, over to the South. Baylor, Jared Butler, we know about him, 17 points per game. He leads the country in three-point shooting percentage. That's a big number. The American East champs, Hartford, they're going to just get squashed here. The 1-13 in in the tournament is the American East. They're just not very good. And what Hartford does really well is – play defense. They allowed 63 points per game and the best in their conference in a weak American East that was ravaged by COVID. I, I think it's a great story that they got here because they should have been here last year, but Baylor has something to prove. They don't have the bigs. It's just not a good matchup at all. North Carolina is one of these interesting teams, and we talked about Andy Bagwell about this a little bit. North Carolina is an interesting team that if they get by the Badgers here, I think they could upset Baylor. I think North Carolina is peaking right at the right time, but don't discount the Badgers who play the sixth toughest schedule on the year. This is the lowest seed by UNC, okay? They lead the country in second chance points. Whiskey, fewest turnovers in D1. This is one of those games where whoever comes out of it, I think it's a coin flip game, but whoever comes out of this game has a really good shot to go deep into this tournament. I'm talking about very deep into the tournament. Villanova look they're gonna try to control the tempo here but it's all about the injuries no Gillespie hurts this is a team that just generally doesn't make mistakes but without Gillespie running the show it's gonna be a problem and you have Winthrop I like Winthrop a lot I liked Winthrop against Villanova if they were healthy Chandler Vaudrin he is a guy that is just primed for a triple double he leads division one in all triple doubles this year they won 23 games this year for a reason, guys. They didn't just back into 23 wins. And You can tell me it's a weak conference all you want. This is prime for an upset. Nova, everyone thinks about them. Deep runs, championships. It used to be that Nova gets eliminated early. And this might be another one of those shots. Purdue, great draw here from Purdue to me. Trevor Williams, 15 points per game. Sweet 16 each of the last three years. They are 13-2 in the state of Indiana. And now they take on a North Texas team. North Texas is all about defense, I know. Javon Hamlet's pretty good. 47.5 field goal percentage led the conference. I like this North Texas team, but I think Purdue is just already has their mindset on bigger, better things. I think this is a great, great draw for Purdue. Let's talk about Texas Tech in the bottom portion here. Utah State beats San Diego State twice. That's their calling card. Matt McClum, 17 points per game. Fewest point per game in the paint in the country. They have a good defense inside. Utah State, you have 15 double-doubles and fourth in the Division One. for Cueta. I, I, I think Utah State is a team that shouldn't have been here, but I wouldn't put it past them beating them. And everyone's talking about Texas Tech rolling on because they love the Big 12. This is another tough matchup. Arkansas gets Colgate. And I'm telling you now, guys, this is no, just day in the park for Arkansas, because Moses Moody, yeah, he's good. Moses Moody is good, and they won 12 or 14. And Arkansas could score, and they could score with anybody. But you know what? Colgate can score with everybody. The highest scoring team in Division One at 86.3 points per game. Jordan Burns is an absolute nightmare for anyone. And when you get into a position where you're just trying to outscore the other team, that's it. You know, look, we're not going to play any defense. Just try to beat us. And you have a guy like Burns on the other side. and You have a team like Colgate on the other side. This is an upset watch. This is an upset watch for me. Let's talk about Florida, another team maybe on the upset watch. I think VTech's the better team here. Aluma, 15.6 points per game. He played five games since February 1st. This is the fewest in the field. They don't play a lot, Virginia Tech, because of COVID ravaging. Does it hurt them? Does it help them? I'm not really sure florida I, i'm just not buying florida right now i think vtech is prime because people don't know about them ohio state here's another one 17 and a half point spread and i like oral roberts i'll just be the first one to just sit here and tell you i like this team i like what they're doing oral roberts though they finished 4th in the summit league right you go oh, they finished 4th everyone loves ohio state washington 23 points per game in the big 10 tournament he, he seems to be great oh here we go but Oral Roberts has a leading score in Division I. Free throw percentage was also the best in the country. They hit from threes all day long. That is prime for a nervous day for Ohio State. Hit big threes. Don't miss your free throws at the end of the game. I think 17.5 points is a lot of points. Let's go to the Midwest region. Illinois, we know. Iowa's 22, 20 points per game, only player with 20 points per game, five rebounds and five assists in the country. He's the best player in the country, not named Luca Garza, okay? Drexel comes in. Here's all you need to know about Drexel. I'm not even going to try to talk lovingly about this team. This is the first time they've had a four-game winning streak in five years. <laughs> okay. Okay. There's Drexel. Let's go to Loyola, Chicago, and you have Sister Jean. So I think Loyola really should have been like a 5 or a 6 seed. They get an 8 seed, which is a tough draw against Georgia Tech. Moses Wright, 17.4 points per game, second most points off of turnovers in the country. You look at this Georgia Tech team, and I know everybody keeps doubting them, and I look at the Georgia Tech team and I just keep going, uh, you know, they, they seem to have some momentum. I'll tell you I'm rooting for Loyola, but it wouldn't surprise me if Georgia Tech wins. Another coin flip type of game. Tennessee. Tennessee might have some injury issues here, so make sure you pay attention here. Oregon State was supposed to be last in the preseason policy. They were last in their own conference. Tennessee should roll, but it's a dangerous situation with banged up players. Oklahoma State, all anybody wants to talk about is Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, Cade Cunningham, and the kid is really, really good. But I think it needs more than that to go deeper to the tournament. He should put this team on his back in the first opening rounds, though. San Diego State against Syracuse. Here's what you have to say uh, about this game. This is the biggest disparity that I found for percentages. Besides B. Uh, you know, Jim's little kid, oh, oh, yeah, maybe he shouldn't be on the team. Oh, maybe, well, did your daddy get you on the program? No, I'm sorry. No, he's literally the best player on the floor is on Syracuse. But here's the biggest disparity. San Diego State is 144th in the country in free throw percentage. Syracuse is 15th. The spread here is three. So you expect a close game. In a close game, give me the free throws all day long. West Virginia comes in. Moorhead State has won 16 of the last 17 regular season games. We know how good they can be. Morehead State is 19-1 and one since January 1st. But... This is Bobby. This is uh, Huggins Bad, right? Uh, Culver, McBride, they led the Big 12 in rebounds per game. I think their size is just too much. Clemson, Rutgers, this should be really fun. Rutgers is a little Jekyll and Hyde-ish, but this should be a fun one. I think whoever wins this could go on and beat Houston in the next round. Houston, look, they won the first AAC tournament. Houston should be good, and they're a two-seed. They should get by. I worry about Houston taking on Clemson-Ruckers. And finally, we have the East. Michigan, banged up. We've talked about it a couple of times already on the show. Both teams play good defense. Uh, When you're talking about what this is going to be, look, Michigan should get by here. They should get by here. But that injury is going to make them vulnerable. I think Michigan's the first one out. LSU, they are a dangerous AT. They look good against Alabama. They can certainly score. Cameron Thomas, 22.6 points per game, 20 20 20-point games. The guy's consistent, and he's really, really good I think LSU got a really good draw here. St. Bonaventure, I, I, I don't know. You know, to me, they're, they're a team, you look at it, 14-0 when they score 65-plus points, 2-4 and four when they don't. They're not going to be able to outrun LSU, even though they'll probably get to that 65 mark. Colorado, Georgetown. Georgetown is playing red hot. Look, Colorado's the better team. Second best free throw percentage in the country, in Colorado. They, they, they are the better team. Georgetown is the hottest team in the country right now. Does anybody want to play this team? Absolutely not. Florida State. Florida State's got to be angry after losing that ACC tournament game. They are the bigs underneath. They are big. They are the best transition points per game in the ACC. They are big. They run the floor. This is a team that I'm looking at to do big things here, not just win a game or two. I think Florida State is primed for a really nice run. BYU is a team that nobody really knows what to make of. All I have to say is this. We spoke about it briefly. BYU, faced Gonzaga three times, and they played with them real well for more than a half the last time out. I don't know what BYU is, and I don't think that they even know who they are. This is going to be an interesting tournament for BYU. Texas, first ever a Big 12 championship. I think Abilene can score, though. Texas won five in a row away from home. Abilene has 23 wins. Much better game than I think they're giving credit for. And you know what? I think Shaka Smart is a bad coach. Just a flat-out bad coach. So I think if it comes down to coaching, they may lose that one. UConn, back since 2016. Maryland five times in six years in the tournament. UConn is a team that I wish was not facing Maryland because I think UConn I think, you, look, the sky's the limit for UConn. Their best player only played in 15 of their games. UConn is a team that I absolutely can see making an Elite Eight run. I might even go crazy and say, I could see UConn beating into the Final Four. That's how crazy I might get here. Maryland, though, real tough first round apart. I like what Maryland's done, too. Two teams I was hoping to kind of be in my upset, keep moving on, and now they're going to face each other. And then you get Bama. Alabama is one of the reasons why I think UConn and Maryland can move on, because I'm not a, I'm just not convinced with them. Look, Shackleford's good. 14 points per game, fourth best three-point percentage in the country. First time in 19 years Alabama was a regular season champion. I didn't like the the stuff that was going on with Alabama's team before time. I didn't like that Alabama is a team that, look, they just don't care to play defense. I don't like that. Uh, But you know, Patino's just happy to be here. I do think that Patino is going to get a little bit more credit than he probably deserves for getting this team here because Iona's always kind of a good team. I think Bama is going to fall pretty early as well. So that's my look kind of here at the first round. Uh, The dangerous teams moving on are, uh, I think, Michigan's probably the number one to fall. I I don't like Bama too much. I don't think Houston has staying power. I do like FSU. I think the East is going to be a mess because I see FSU. I see UConn. I see Maryland, maybe a potential LSU. I see Georgetown doing some good things. So I think the East is going to be a mess. Illinois should rule the West. I don't see much of a problem there. Gonzaga should rule their conference as well. And then the South, I'm just not a believer in Baylor. I can see UNC. I can see Wisconsin. If Nova got healthy, maybe a Purdue. And, of course, you have Florida State. I'm sorry, Ohio State. And even a Florida, if they got healthy. I know I don't really have them uh, even get past the first round with VTech, but if they got healthy. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it, guys. Before the year, I sat back and I told you, I'm putting money on Illinois, but I think Gonzaga wins it all. So I'm filling out my final four brackets guys. What do you think I'm going to tell you? Not much has changed. My final four, I'm taking Gonzaga. I am taking Florida State. I'm taking Baylor and I'm taking Illinois. I have Illinois against Gonzaga in the final. And you know what? Even though I told you guys Gonzaga was going to win it all, I'm holding a nearly 20 to 1 ticket on Illinois and so are you. I know it 18 to 1, 19 to 1, 20 to 1. So are you? Let's just finish this out. Let's all go with the fighting. Illinois Illini to win it all. That is just a beautiful thing to say because that's going to be a lot of money. (laughs) That is going to be a lot of money. All right, guys. Enjoy the tournament. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that.